Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Gary Patterson has resigned as the head coach at Texas Christian University. Never again will Gary Patterson be hiking up his pants, tying his shoes, screaming at an official, singing the alma mater after a big win. Gary Patterson era has come to an end. All our podcasts are recorded in real time, but I literally just left a table at a Mexican food restaurant, I don't know, 12 minutes ago to uh, race back and get on my laptop with uh, Jeremy and with Daniel. And uh, I'm not even going to lie, even as I've started talking here for you know 30 seconds, I'm, I'm getting mildly emotional. Um, we were going to have a podcast last week and, and life got in the way and I was going to say, I had kind of ramped myself up to say it's time for a change. And I thought there was going to be a needed change at the top for our football program and that things had slipped beyond the point where I thought that it could be corrected. Um, even saying that, um, I hate that it ended this way. And I'm grateful for everything that Coach Patterson has done for us. So, all right, I could go on and on and I'll save my sermon for later. Jeremy Clark, you I'm going to go on a limb here. You know him better than anyone that has covered the team since he became the head coach. You have broken more stories that came straight from his cell phone to yours. I've uh, seen the story, seen the screenshot, sat there with you when you got the message. You were as plugged into this program as anyone could be in any Division I program, I would argue that, to the head coach. You know Gary well. Just what's your guttural response after seeing that Gary Patterson is no longer the head coach at TCU? It's crazy, man. I didn't think it would happen uh, like this. I mean, the last few, I mean, I, I guess about the last week, it would it had really started to amp up a little bit, and um, I mean, I was I was the guy, you know, two three weeks ago that was saying he was going to be gone uh, when he wants to be gone, and it's kind of like what I posted a few minutes ago on the board. You know, TCU had asked him. We told him that he was going to be, uh, you know, needed to resign by the year. They're going to let him coach out the year, and, and coach just said, "Well, I'll just go ahead and do it now." So, um, I mean, I'm kind of shocked by it. You know, it's it's weird because you have that uh, relationship with the guy. Sorry, I'm watching the Astros and the Braves. I'm getting caught off guard here, but no, I'm, it it's one of those deals. You have the relationship with the guy, and you just you feel bad for him because you know, he was trying his, his butt off to try to get this thing rotted. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not, this ain't going to be a podcast to talk about all the bad things he did and everything else and, and how he finished up his career. But yeah, I would say, I would say I'm pretty shocked, man, because I, I would never would have thought that, uh, this, this kind of stuff would have happened in the middle of the season. Uh, if you'd asked me, I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way, but here we are. I mean, it, it it's kind of, it's it's just unbelievable to be honest with you. You know it is unbelievable. It absolutely is unbelievable. All right, so let's walk through what maybe has unfolded in in say the last week. You know our message board uh, a week ago. I remember uh, reading through that, and you know obviously after the West Virginia loss, everybody was going insane. People on Twitter, people on Hornfrog Blitz. Um, everyone's calling for a change. Something's got to change. It's not even paying attention. What's wrong with Patterson? And I remember you distinctly saying things aren't going to change right now. They may change on the field. They may change what, the way they scheme or simplify their defense. But this is Patterson's the head coach. He's going to be the head coach this year. 
And you said everybody should brace for him being the head coach next year. Uh-huh. Well, here we are. Here we are a week later, and he is no longer the head coach. Walk us through what you know from your sources over the last week of everything that has shifted. Well, I think really after the West Virginia game, it started to heat up a little bit. You know, I was standing on my soapbox a little bit before the West Virginia game because there was still some thought process that the thing could be turned around. Um, after the West Virginia game, started to get a little bit more details. And it's what's that's what's funny. Everyone thinks I just talked to Gary, and I don't just talk to Gary. I've, I've been around the program 17 years. I've been able to develop a few more relationships than just with Coach P. So I talked to enough people that are in the know that, hey, man, <laughs> keep an eye on this. So the guys that were telling me a few weeks ago that, you know, Gary, Gary uh, has the backing, and this is not news to anyone, and, and anyone that knows people around TCU are shaking their head and agreeing right now. Gary, Gary is uh, very close to a lot of the big money guys, okay? He's, and I use the term, he's, he's locked arms with some of those guys. They, they will walk with him with locked arms. Um, pretty much through anything. And those guys were really standing there. They weren't making a big fuss about it. And um, I think after the West Virginia game, I started to hear a little bit more, well, hey, some of the guys that are kind of in his corner may be not in this corner as, as much now. Um, the West Virginia game was was just really bad on on all accounts. It just was bad football. And I think uh, – I don't think it has anything to do with uh, – how he is short with media or anything like that. I know people like to point fingers with that, but throughout the last week, it started to get a little bit more, you know, and I'm still standing by my statement. He'll, he'll leave when he resigns, but there was more and more talk that was coming down that TCU was considering asking him to resign at the end of the season. And I mean, for, for that, I mean, you're looking at, and we've talked about it on the board. You had four consecutive seasons that aren't really TCU football. And you go back, you, you look at some of the things that were said, the SMU stuff with the helmet. He was, you know, standing firm on that. He wasn't changing his opinion on it, even after Donati and SMU's athletic director have kind of had kind of said it was going to cool off. Well, it didn't. So that was kind of a kind of a bad public perception with that, but. This game against Kansas State, man, it's just leading up to it. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you give people so many chances, and you're like, "This is your last chance. If you, if you don't do something here, it's 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 it." And Kansas State was kind of that game, and it was probably the worst game of the season. I, in my opinion, it was the worst game of the season. They just they just did everything bad, and and what I was told from multiple people now, TCU will come out and probably deny the heck out of this. Um, but I was told by multiple people that there was a conversation about him resigning last night. And so, and I, and I got from a few people on the plane ride home, he kind of sat by himself back to the plane, wasn't talking much. And even after the game, he was hugging a lot of players and people were like, this was different from other games because they didn't really see that reaction. You know, him hugging people. It's like he knew that this was going to be his last game. Uh, the Kansas State that was going to be his last time coaching. So it's it's man, it's just uh it, it it's all coming at you at one time, man. It's trying to process it as fast as I can. I, you know, I'm over at my in laws today, getting ready to eat some supper, ready to do some trick or treating, and I didn't think anything would come out of it today. I even called a few people and said, "Hey, 
just be on the watch out for this in case it happens. But um, I didn't think anything like this would come out today. Uh, I, I really thought he would have finished the season, to be honest. I figured he would announce, say, the second second weekend in November. You know, you know, after the Baylor game, be like, "Hey guys, I got three more games. Let's give it everything we've got. Give enough time to activate a search, which I assume has already been activated um, through back channels, and be able to you know wrap up the season. Have that last game, that last home game would be Kansas. That'd be a great way to go out with a big win. But it's uh, he's just done, and I am. I can't tell. I, I don't know. I can't decide if I'm more shocked or I actually respect that he just said, if I'm not going to coach anymore, I'm not going to coach anymore. I've given it everything I have and I'm done. And I guess I guess I respect that. He does not need the send. I think everybody wanted the grand send off, the announcement. Let's celebrate Gary, take his you know retirement tour, give him a rocking chair. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's 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 a football coach. And if I'm not there to, to prowl the sidelines and recruit the next class and get tape going for the next week, then I'm I'm not going to be here. And I say I say I say God bless you, Gary. It's kind of like the uh, relationship you tell the your significant other you keep you, you keep doing bad things. I'm going to let you go this and that, and then you let let them go, and you you feel kind of bad about it, and that's kind of how. The board, I think a lot of people are kind of reacting that way today. Yeah, we wanted – everyone wanted change, the fans, whatnot. I was fine with him as a media guy. I mean, he was always good to me. But I know the fans themselves always they, – they really were wanting that change. And now that it's happened, it's kind of like, oh, man, I am don't know what to think now. <laughs> it's like it, it, there's a lot of shock for some people because I think as much as they wanted it to happen – um, they still respect the guy for what he did at TCU. And the other side of that coin is I think like you and I, Jeff, I don't think we, no one thought it would happen this way. I was talking to Drew Davison and both of us were like, this is completely shocking. I know. So that's the strange part. It's just how shocking this is that it's done. It's, it's now over. I thought there would be, like I said, you know, Patterson say, hey, you know what? I think I've given it my all. Let's wrap this season up. Everybody cheer us on. Let's all show up at the Carter for one last game. He didn't want that. And I, I assume that was an option. Um, I don't think he was fired and told to, you know, get a get a box and a security guard and get it all cleaned out by five o'clock today. Um, yeah. He could have written this season out, but he didn't. And he, it's over. So. Yeah. But you're right. It is. It is like the the significant other, where you're like, "Hey, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this," and then you feel bad about it. Um, yeah. You, you know what? I guess one of the other things, you know, just you know, observing our our fans who are so level headed and have um, just total clarity, like my like like you and I do, right, Jeremy? Uh, you know, I've always been hesitant to 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 not speak ill. Like I'll, I'll say what I need to say. Like I, I feel like the program's been broke ever since Sean Robinson became the quarterback. The offense was broke, and I think the defense has clearly slipped. And that goes back to 2018 when we lost on the road at Kansas, and our defense is the reason that we lost. I think. I mean, those are just documented observations that I I don't think anybody can really argue about. But I've I've had a hard time, and I've felt nervous. I'm not going to lie. Uh, just like unloading with like fan frustration, which I try to at least moderate a little bit. Because guess what? 
I go cover a camp with you, Gary Patterson's going to come up and shake my hand and look me in the eye. And I got to look him in the eye and say, man, the game's passed that guy by. And I don't know that, <laughs> you know, I, where I'm from, where I come from, if you got something to say to a man, you look him in the eye and say it. And I feel like what needed to be said was, Gary, you've given it your all. Let's wrap this season up and give us all a fresh start. And he said, no, let's just wrap it up right now. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy. And you just, you think about, um, what was going on in his head. And I, and like I said, I haven't had a chance to talk to him and I do plan on talking to him and I'm definitely going to ask for some stuff that he'll give me on record. And I'm sure he'll tell me a lot of stuff off record. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think if there's one person that didn't want it to end like this, it's him because I, I don't, the dude hates failing. And if anyone knows Gary is he loves proving people wrong. Um, and I think that's what ultimately he was trying to do this year. He was trying to prove some people wrong, maybe have that last hoorah and ride off into the sunset. And, you know, it's unfortunate it didn't work out that way. And this is life as uh, college football, you know, and it, it TCU to defend them a little bit. They, they did give him – uh, a long leash, which 100%, without a doubt, he earned that long leash um, for what he what he brought TCU to. Um, but I understand the sentiment that if he was anywhere else, he would have been let go a couple years ago. And I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I'm, you know, trying, trying to be a realist and trying not to piss off fans at the same time and saying that you guys got to understand it's not one of those – Hey, let's let's just fire a random coach. Let you're you're talking about let's fi- fire a coach that has a statue out in front of our basketball coliseum. That is a humongous reason why Eamon Carter looks the way it does, and a huge reason why we have the football facilities we do, and just a, a lot of things. And and I know winning breeds money. I mean, it's it's going to bring you money. Um, people don't want to donate if you're not winning, but Gary Gary's the the big reason for that, and that's. And he he taught he taught people the you know how many times have we talked about the chip on the shoulder and stuff you know just randomly you know randomly talking to people the chip on you know there's there's a lot of things Gary brought um, to TCU fans that we'll use we'll use around for the rest of our lives no one's no one's ever gonna be able to come in there and say grow them up without thinking of Gary Patterson you know what I mean so it's uh you know it's it's tough day man tough day. It is a tough day. It is a tough day. You know, I, uh, I'm going to share this on the podcast. I was going to tweet it out, but I just thought I'd do it here for our listeners. Um, you know, if we're in the business of being honest here, you know, I, uh, I had a son that died the day he was born on December 20th of 2017. And, uh, it was, um, the worst day of my life and I'm not going to lie about it. And I got, I posted online later that day to everyone pray for us. And this is what was going on. And I got a direct message about five minutes later from Coach Patterson telling me that him and Kelsey were praying for me. And he he knew I worked hard covering the team and he just wanted me to know I wasn't alone. And it was freaking National Signing Day. Mm. And that guy took his time. Yeah, you can say all he did was pull up a Twitter and write me. Well, he didn't have to do that. Um, And I've never forgotten that. I've, I've just never forgotten that. So I mean, he 
the, the what he did for people is not just that you know we had all these top ten finishes and all these big bowl games. He right. I know he made a big difference in a lot of people's lives, including people like me that he had no business uh, knowing. Well, he liked you. He, yeah. he knew he knew exactly who you were when I introduced you at the uh, oh the yeah football camps. Yeah. Hey Jeff. <laughs> yeah. 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 He. Oh, you're that frogcast guy. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Hey, man, Gary liked me. I Gary liked me. Yep. Uh, you know that's you know people always ask how how did you and Coach P get close? And shoot, the dude hated me the first two years I covered the program. He kicked me out. Everyone knows that story. But man, I, I hated you the first two years we did the show. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, I know. Have to grow. Have to grow on grow on people. Um, but that that's the thing with. You know how he and I got close was during the the whole drug bust thing, and you know Mark Cohen, bless his heart, he would he had asked people, you know, not to not to ask the drug bust questions. Well, the bad thing about that was is Gary hadn't talked all spring, so the first first day they have a spring practice, we you know compared to me and Stephen Stevenson who covered the team at the time, and maybe a couple other guys, Travis Brown, and usually about four or five of us out there. And all of a sudden there's like 30 people out there. And so they're asking, you know, there's, of course, they're not there to ask any stuff about the football team. They want to, this is the first spring practice. Okay. So they're, they're asking every question about the drug bust. And this is going into our first season in the big 12 too. Yeah. Yeah. And so they weren't there to talk about safety. No, 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 no. (laughs) So they, so we're all talking and I I sat there for about, I sat there for about 20 minutes and I finally go coach in front of all these media guys. And they might think I was a prick for doing it, but I said, do you want to answer a football question? He said, yeah, I'd love to answer a football question. And he walks out of this big group and he turns around and says, come on. And so I'm watch, I'm watching, walking with him. We're, we're walking off the practice fields into the back of the John Justin. And he opens up the door and he said, come in, come in here. And I turn around and about 30 media people are giving me the dirtiest look ever. And I got a call later that night. I'm not, not going to tell you who I got a call from, but I was told, well, you kind of, you kind of made some of the media people pissed off. And I said, listen, I, I sat there patiently for 20 minutes as other people asked questions about the drug bust that we were asked not to ask about, but I get people have to do their job. What my thing is, is my subscribers have read for over a month about the drug bust. They want to know who the hell the second or third string right guard is. That's who they care about. And so the next day or about 30 minutes later, I get a call and they say, Hey, coach Pete, wanted me to tell you come out here at this time for the next open practice. Well, I get out there and I was invited out to this open practice like an hour and a half before any other media person got out there. And he, he did that because I took enough time to ask him stuff about football instead of all the stuff he didn't really want to talk about. So that's kind of how he and I got, you know, closer because he understood that I want to write about football and he respected that. Yeah, he did. He did respect that. And I know that you two had a 
a close relationship in terms of, you know, content delivery and getting the inside scoop and letting us letting the small circle people like your subscribers know what was actually going on there. And I know, you know, he's told you some stuff um, off the record or maybe on background that I think we should do a an open bar at some point where, you know, for 50 bucks you can get in and every you have to be you have to swear to a code of silence. Nothing will leave the room. And you can, <laughs> yeah, you right. can tell everybody everything. That's the that's the thing with anonymity with these yeah. guys. They they can post whatever they want behind a screen name. And yeah. what's funny is I can figure out who a person is in about thirty seconds. I know. You know, I was thinking about you know the stories. I actually would love to hear what Coach Patterson thought. Um, Andrew Billings recruitment. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Baron Browning recruitment. Uh, what he actually thought about Art Bryles. I would love, you know, what did he really? There's love? no secret there. I don't. I know, but I want to. I, you know, if you think he's, I, he's filtered. I think he's filtered about what he thinks about Bryles, and we all know what he thinks about Bryles. I'd love to hear what he said uh, with, you know, a couple drinks in. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no secret what he thinks about Bryles. Um, get put a little more truth serum in him after the 2013 Baylor game. That was uh, that was an epic rant. Uh, yeah. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to talk about what may be next, so we'll we'll get to that in just a second here. But you know, we've lamented, uh, we've we've kind of mourned here. We've acknowledged the end of an absolute era. Uh, let, let's look at the highlights. Let, let's just look at like a top two or three moments uh, of the Coach Patterson era, and let's kind of look. I don't want to say off the radar, but we know we're going to say Rose Bowl. We know we're going to say Peach Bowl. But I think there's even other things to celebrate beyond that. If you acknowledge when Gary Patterson came here as the defensive coordinator in 1998, this is a team that had gone one in 10 in the whack. I mean, like that was one in 10 in a bad whack. And he comes in with Dennis Francione. Dennis is here three years. Patterson takes over. And everything from there has just been meteoric rise to member of a Power Five conference, winning and playing in multiple BC, you know, winning and playing in, in some big time bowls, top 10 finishes, uh, competing for the playoff the first two years in a serious way into November, you know, what $350 million renovation to the stadium, let alone all the other things that go on. And, you know, the Justin Center, the practice field, the weight room, all of that stuff is just Cadillac. I don't think there's a new basketball arena without the addition of the new football stadium. So all of this is where, uh, Gary Patterson and the games that he has won has brought has brought so much energy to the to the campus. Uh, you know, think about the enrollment of the university. There's a you know, uh, I think it was Del Conte that used to always say our football program is the front porch to our university. And you know, I couldn't get into TCU now. You know, the standards have continued to be raised. It's an excellent school, and I'm going to lay a big uh, big chunk of credit to that to head coach, legendary head coach Gary Patterson. But what do you celebrate from the last 20 plus years here of Coach Patterson as the head coach? What or even defensive coordinator? What are a couple of things that you think are worthy of our remembrance? I mean, shoot, man. Will any TCU fan ever forget the Rose Bowl? I won't. I, I never mean, will. I think I think uh I think a lot of the uh I think it's a a, a huge reason why you have so many people from California at TCU now. I mean, they had an influx of people from California applying to TCU. <laughs> like, 
the next three years it, after that win, it was just crazy. And they were, they were, you know, he was always telling me about how many, how many applications they get from California now, but I don't think anyone will ever forget that. I mean, obviously the Oregon, the Alamo bowl against Oregon was big and, you know, there's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot to just narrow it down, to be honest with you, Jeff, to yeah. figure out, you know, which, which is the best. Well, let me give you a couple that I, that are a couple of things that for us old timers will always remember the 1998 Sun Bowl against oh, yeah. USC. It was a game that the uh, politics got the frogs into that game because the Mountain West had split off from the WAC. And the committee at the Sun Bowl was made up of a bunch of people from UTEP, and they didn't want to take a WAC a team that was going to the Mountain West. They wanted a WAC team. The story I remember was the frogs were six and five, and they'd already turned their equipment in, and they got noticed that they had been invited to the Sun Bowl, and everybody had to get called back to take on USC. And this was a six and five TCU team. And they go out there and just lay the wood to USC. I mean, Patterson, I don't know that they had a positive yard rushing in that game. They had so many sacks, stuck them so many times behind the line of scrimmage. The 1998 Sun Bowl, you know, that in my mind, that was uh, one of Gary Patterson's finest moments as the defensive coordinator and head coach was the 98 Sun Bowl. That really kicked it off. And then when people talk about the game that put TCU on the map as a giant slayer that was more than just a cute little competitive uh, mid-major, I'll never forget going to Oklahoma in 2005. And I think that was the first home loss for OU since um, before their national title in 2000. And so that game against OU, that nobody predicted that we would win that game. No one predicted that we would win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I, if we're going to build a second statue to anybody, I want it to be Ty Gunn. That was such a fun game. I'll never, I'll never forget just the elation and the joy on Coach Patterson's face. And this was back when, this was back when the Big Twelve was the SEC. You know, like the Big Twelve South was the original SEC West. When you had Texas, you had Oklahoma, you had Texas Tech. Those, and then you know, up in the north, you got Nebraska, competitive in Nebraska and, and K State when they were rolling. And to be able to go on the road and beat the biggest of the big dogs in the Big Twelve in two thousand five, that was such a great victory, such a great victory. And I, and the other one that I think doesn't get enough credit, you know, everybody talks about the two thousand nine game against Utah um, when we had game day and you know massive sellout crowd. The next year, Utah was undefeated, and they were also, I think they were sixth, and we were fourth, and we went up there and just beat the living hell out of them. Uh, And the 2010 Utah game was one of the most dominant performances against, you know, we all know Kyle Whittingham's a heck of a coach. Um, They were, you know, getting ready to bump up into the Pac-12. That was one of the most dominant games I have ever witnessed. I remember Jeremy Curley throwing a touchdown in that game. That was an insane game, so... Those are ones that I'll kind of always remember that I think are worthy of our uh, um, taking a minute to, to, to reflect on because it helped put the program where it was and hopefully will be a continual building block to get the program to where it needs to get back to. So, Well, what do we think going forward, Jeremy? People much smarter than I, which isn't difficult, uh, have already been working the phones and, and agents are talking to agents. Of course, no AD has contacted any coach directly. They don't talk until no. they get the deal. So all through the back channels, all back channels. So if Jeff Trailer or Sonny Dykes or Dan Lanning or uh, 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 Chad Well say, oh, no, I haven't talked to TCU. 
they're 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 not lying. They're telling the truth. But their agent may be talking to TCU's yeah. agent. So give yeah. us give me your give me uh, what what should frog fans be expecting in the search? What, are, what what do you think TCU's looking for? And it's not worth talking about if we don't talk about names. Well, it's it's you know they say it's going to be a national search. Um, we'll see about that. But I, the people I talked to today, they seem to think that Dykes would be the the front runner. Um, I haven't got that confirmed that like he that he is um, without a doubt the guy. I, I would believe that they would look at some other candidates. TCU is going to have a lot of people apply for this job. I think you go out and you make calls to people just to see if they say no. I mean, reach out, reach out to some of these guys that fans may think will say no and and make make them say no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, don't I do. just don't just go out and I and I think that's what they're going to do. There's there's going to be not to speculate on any outside names like that, but there's there's going to be a few guys that they're going to they're going to reach out to and just to, just the test of waters. Um, but Sonny Dykes is the guy that's been brought up to me on multiple occasions. Uh, he's got some uh, familiarity with TCU. He coached there in, I want to say 2017, or he didn't coach. He was a, yes, he was an unquote, analyst in 2017. Yeah, well, he was a quote unquote volunteer or whatever. <laughs> they got to be, they got to be termed that so they don't get in trouble for coaching or whatnot. But um, so he's been around there and I mean, he loves the area. Uh, and I've, and I've been told that he likes TCU, but I've had some other people that know him personally that don't feel like he would go to TCU and he's happy at SMU. So I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be interesting because now who would have, th- who would have thought Jeff in before before the year, you'd have two coaching changes. Now, I think we all thought about uh, Matt Wells being on the hot seat at Texas Tech, but I don't think a lot of us felt like they, Tech was going to make a move during the season. And I, I would I would probably muster a guess that there's less than a handful of people that would have ever thought TCU and Gary Patterson would part ways during the you know basically just past the halfway point of the season. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy thinking about it, man. It's never, never would have convinced me otherwise, but it's, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of speechless tonight. It's just, it's weird. I'm sucking yeah. at my podcast duties. No, that's all right. This was, this was on the spot. This was on the fly. You're not sucking at your podcast duties. All right, a uh, couple of names here. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking because I, I've got two messages. I got to get back to Donati because he really wants to know what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I would I would make sure that these four phone calls were placed, and I'm going to tell you a fifth co- phone call that better not be placed. And I don't think it will. And anybody suggesting it is stupid. So here's how's that for a setup? You need to call Sonny Dykes. You need to call Jeff Trailer. You need to call Billy Napier. And you need to call Jamie Chadwell. Now, and that's just sports bar, college football addict conversation. The first two are logical. They're both in Texas. Mm-hmm. They're both winning at programs that have never won at the level that they're winning at in the last 30 years. Uh, Dykes is, is it knows how to rec- – I think what I like most about Dykes is his commitment to recruiting and his ability to work the transfer portal as his friend and not his enemy. And I'll just be honest, if uh, – if, if little samples wants to come on over with him, 
all is forgiven. I would really, really be okay with that. He's committed to South Dallas. He's committed to DFW. And let's be honest, we have we have not thrived along the I-20 corridor once you get uh, east of TCU. Isn't that correct? We have not done well there in the way that we should. And there are so many programs in that area that uh, I think Dykes can open and staff can open the doors towards. Jeff Trailer is a hot name right now because he's 8-0 at UTSA. I, uh, I I would really be excited if we hired him, but I'm smart enough to say that I think he's probably half a step behind Dykes because he doesn't have the same head coaching experience. He hasn't been in the game uh, at the college level as long as uh, Dykes has. But Muddy, 8-0 is 8-0. He went on the road and beat Illinois, which you can laugh at, but that's a Big Ten win on the road. But more impressive, he went to Memphis and beat Memphis. And all my church people wanted to know where UTSA was watching them beat Memphis. That's a pretty good win. And I think that I'd be shocked if they didn't run the table this year. (coughs) Billy Napier is getting mentioned at Virginia Tech, um, which we'll get to in a second. I think you got to pick up the phone and and call him. He wants a huge SEC job, but he's got to have a job in between. And what, all right, so we're talking about not being a, uh, a stepping stone job. You know what? There are jobs that will always be above TCU. We just need to make sure it's not because of money. So I think if Napier could come here and if LSU opened up again, he's got to get another job before he goes to LSU, um, then we could live with that because he would have won so much here. If someone comes here and wins at a high level, that's a good thing. And there should really only be about 10 jobs that they would go to from TCU. And Jamie Chadwell just runs a fun offense. And we haven't had a fun offense here since – well, since 2015, to be completely honest. So, all right, you know who we shouldn't hire. You know who we shouldn't call, don't you, Jeremy? Who's that? Justin Fuente. <laughs> that <laughs> I'm pretty confident that won't happen. Anybody suggesting Justin Fuente? Just stop. I mean, I don't want to be a dick. Oops, excuse me. I don't want to be a weirdo about it. But I mean, the guy. Follow. He he's already done what we he's already proven he can't do what we need, which is follow a legend and be able to win with his new system. He went and followed Beamer. He couldn't follow Beamer. He wasn't able to come in and do what he wanted. Uh, he chose. He's he's not won at Virginia Tech, and I don't think he's all that well. Re- the, the staff that I've talked to, they were not sad to see him go. I mean, when he took the Memphis job. That was one of the worst jobs in the country, and I give him credit. He built it up. He started to recruit locally, and um, you know, then Mike Norvell came in, and Silverfield's done a decent job here. But Fuente, nobody, nobody in Fort Worth is itching for Fuente. That's a lazy response, and it ignores uh, what that he's already failed the test that you have to pass to come do this. So that's I don't my think thing. you can technically, because I mean, here's here's the funny thing about it is. Justin Fuente is on the hot seat at Virginia Tech. Yes. So why why would you replace a coach that was just effectively on the hot seat for your program and go out and hire another guy that's on the hot seat? You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like it's just a just a weird deal all the way around to even think. Now, I've seen some people mention Fuente because he's a GP guy and all that. They're and I've posted this too. They're not as close as people no think they are. Um, Gary's not calling Donati and saying you need to bring in Justin. Um, and to be honest, I mean, it, there's probably not a long list of guys that he's telling Donati, "Hey, you should look at this guy or look at that guy." And, um, but I, I have, I, I would be more shocked at Fuente getting the job at TCU than I am for GP getting let go or resigning, whatever. However, you want to 
however you want to spin it, um, that would shock me more than than anything. Fuente being the head coach. One other name I, I'll throw out there: Dan Lanning is the defensive coordinator at Georgia, and uh, buddy, that's that's the best team in the country, and it's really not even close. And that's the best defense statistically that's been on the field in years. And so I would say you got to pick up the phone and at least call him. He's going to be a head coach. Dan Lanning is going to leave Georgia, and he's not going to go to UTSA to get his first head coaching job. I would uh, somebody's going to get him next year, so I would say go ahead and jump and try to get him this year. I I, I think that that would be a killer hire. If you look, you, everybody can say, "Oh, if I had Georgia's athletes, I could uh, I could coach a good defense." Well, you got to get those guys in, and everybody says he's an amazing recruiter. So, Donati, I know you listen to the show faithfully. We appreciate your your rating and your review. Uh, uh, it, your 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 handle on iTunes is ADJD. Um, please call Dan Lanning. I think that would be a great hire. So, so here's the prism that I want to work with in terms of when we get a head coach, a new head coach, and in, in about a month, we'll probably we'll have a new head coach in a month, probably, um, maybe after championship weekend. Um, y- you have to make the decision right when the hire is made if we think this is a good hire. And what do I mean by that? Jeremy, do we not agree that at the moment of the hire, Jamie Dixon was a really good hire for TCU basketball? Yeah, I mean, everyone loved that hire. Yeah, that was a good hire, and it wasn't just our emotions. It's a guy that had won the hardest conference in, in probably college basketball history, the old Big East. He'd won multiple titles there. He got into the grade eight. He made the tournament consistently. He's had some issues in the last couple of seasons. We all get that, but that was a really good hire. Kirk Sarlos was a really good hire that, you know, I don't know that we'll be in Omaha next year, but when you just assess right now, did we make the best choice of the options that we pursued? Sarlos was a great hire. And I think Jamie Dixon was a great hire. So the, if, if things, uh, you know, aren't great, you know, if we're not going to the, to the sugar bowl in year two, that doesn't mean it was a terrible hire. We just assess who was available, who we went after and who we were able to get, and, and answer the question then, did we make the right hire? So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Well, I, I think the next thing everyone's going to be asking about is, you know, what's going to happen to the current team? I mean, are they going to lose players? Are they going to lose mm-hmm. commitments? I've been, since we've been on here, chatted with um, Cade McConnell. He's in a, sh- he's in a state of shock. Um, A.J. Allen said that he committed to – TCU because of Coach Applewhite, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I've reached out to the other commitments too and just waiting to hear back. And I know people want to get the news as soon as it happens, but sometimes these kids are in a state of shock too and they don't know how to respond. So yeah. it's 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 tough. It's tough on them. Now, as far as and this is this is gonna sound crazy, and it's gonna sound like I'm talking talking bad about Coach P, but I did make a comment today on the board that it seemed like some of the players were in discontent, um, and that's true. Um, I'm not saying any players were happy, but I think a lot of the players, to be honest, I, I think they had kind of given up a little bit of how they were playing. Um, and it becomes that – it reminds me of 2013. You know, you had a pretty good team. You had a lot of talent. But what they needed was something new in there, something new and innovative. And that's what they got with Cumbie and Meacham. And we all saw how 2014 reacted. 
and and how good of a season that was. And and sometimes, and one thing I would I would say about Coach P and knowing him and knowing some of the people that I know and knowing a lot of parents, Coach Coach P and and this is no secret to anyone. He is an old school coach. Um, I think he's been pretty upfront with <laughs> how he feels about the transfer portal, uh, how he feels about NIL. And a lot of people look at that as the old school way of thinking. And with us being in this day and age of college football, a lot of young, there's the older coaches you can count on one hand and really, really on maybe three fingers. And you know, Nick Saban's the guy. I mean, he does it, but yeah. he's, he's even the guy that, notices change needs to take place and that's something that um to you know who, his own is is gary really didn't want to make huge changes you know who the best comparison to patterson is mark it's, d'antonio well okay it's the guy that's still coaching that ever that patterson was number two behind kirk ferentz kirk ferentz yep ferentz is, is old school and yeah he's got a way of doing things and it it's just what it is you know well, he was doing great at the beginning of the year, and then look at what Iowa's done the last few weeks. So they got they got housed by a bad Wisconsin. Team. Yeah, they've they've come down from top of the mountain. So, uh, as far as players go, I I don't anticipate a mass exodus. I will say there were some players that are unhappy that um, I don't even know all of them, but some of them were talking about leaving, hitting that portal. And as crazy as it sounds, I would I would keep an eye on I mean, I hate to say it, I bet I not to not to put any uh worry out there, but Gary Patterson was a big reason why Zach Evans came to TCU. Yeah, he was. There's so no doubt it, and he he probably was the biggest reason he came to TCU. So that's something to keep an eye on. I'm not not saying Zach Evans is leaving. I'm just telling you, I mean, there's, there's no matter what you're losing, you're losing a coach, but you're going to lose, you're, you're going to lose someone that had a closer relationship to coach Patterson, uh, from a player perspective than, than what people might've thought that will leave because he's not there. And you may have some, you may have some, uh, defensive guys that are commitments, you know, Jalen Gilbo, Jalen Gilbo doesn't say a whole bunch, but I'm sure that he committed to TCU because of Gary Patterson and his defense and the fact that he would get get a chance to play really early. So it's it's going to be a big deal. I think when you look at what your current uh, recruiting class is, you want you're you're not going to make all those guys happy, okay? You're not going to make every uh, one of the 11 commitments happy because some of those guys are defensive guys. Now, if you come in and you get a guy that's really big on offense, wants to throw the ball around, then you're probably going to keep guys like Matthew Golden and DJ Allen and AJ Allen, those, those type of guys that would excel on offense. But if you bring a guy in and he doesn't hire the right guy for defense, then you stand a chance to lose some of those defensive prospects. And I will say this, you know, it's, and I'm still going to find out if it, if it's even going to happen. To the two of the guys I mentioned on the board that were set to visit this weekend, one's a five star, and uh, they're both offensive players. So, oh, wow, yeah. So it's 
you know, I, I've got to find out if they still even plan on visiting with, with all these changes. And the big thing, you know, that's, it, it's crazy because, uh, you know, it, a lot of people know I talked to, talk to coach P and, you know, I'm, I'm sad that, that he's gone, but I, I will promise you this, the guy, he, he decided to leave early, but I, I will guarantee you he's not worried about himself tonight. No. If that makes sense. He is worried about his assistant coaches. Plain and simple. And that's, and that's what sucks for a lot of those guys is because those guys are Gary Patterson guys. Um, I think the defensive guys won't have too much of a problem if a new staff comes in here and they don't retain them. I don't think they'll have a big problem finding finding a landing spot. The offensive guys is going to be a little bit different. But I, I can promise you right now, Gary Patterson does not give a care about his feelings right now. He's He's more worried about all of his assistants. All the way from – assistant coaches down to your uh, graduate assistants down to your analysts I mean heck all the way down to your uh, administrative assistants I mean that I mean this is a that's what I'm saying it's like it's it's a fan it's a family over there and coach P's like the grandpa that runs the farm you know it's, it's just he knows everything and and any little thing about that farm and you know now now he's not going to be around to run it and a lot of those people are worried about their jobs now. It's not just him. It's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, you go down to, you know, Kenny Hill. This is his first real college football job. What's he going to do next? You know, and you can say, oh, he's got a six-figure salary. It'll be fine. Well, he's got a life. He's got, he's got a life and a wife and probably wants to have some kids. It's going to change. It impacts everybody. You know, if you just think about it this way, when Oklahoma and Texas announced they were living, leaving the Big 12, look at all of the conference realignment that was in response to those two moves. Yeah. Just two schools moving all the way down to where, you know, UTSA is joining the American Athletic Conference and the Sun Belt is – I got a friend of mine today that told me, hey, the MAC is expanding into Tennessee and Kentucky. And I'm like, all of this is because of Texas and Oklahoma. Well, Gary Patterson is out as the head coach. And the ripple effect is going to be massive, and it's yeah. going to be far. It's going to be felt to the far flungs of the campus and beyond. Guys moving, people moving here. It's just uh, one big game of musical chairs. We'll see what happens with it. The realignment stuff. It's you know TCU has set themselves up in a good position, and I I, I feel like you know they've they've been in. <laughs> they'll deny this too, but there's been discussions with. I think the Pac-12 thing everyone knows about now, and then and the other conference they they have been talking to another conference because they're just you know everyone's trying to set themselves up good, and I think when you look at the whole conference realignment stuff, it it doesn't have anything to do with basketball, it doesn't have anything to do with baseball. It's all about football, and I think for the most part TCU with with all this coming up, uh, with with the way the seasons have been going the last four years, I think they really want to set themselves up to try to get this thing out of the bottom three in the big 12 and get them back, get them back toward the top. So when things do start to shift around more that TCU's not left out for any reason. I mean, it, when they were in the Southwest conference, they were with the other big boys. And right now they're with the big boys in the big 12 and 
they have a big conference shift. They don't want to be sent back down to the uh, – no offense, but they don't want to be back into a conference with the UTSAs or, you know, any of those American conferences – they want to stay in a they want to stay in a power conference. So this this is probably the right thing to do to to get that going. They've got to they've got to make a change and hopefully it hopefully it works out. Hopefully it's not one of those situations where you go next year and you you bring in a new guy and TCU. It's kind of like what Matt Rule and and Baylor and even Aranda had to go through when they first came on. I mean, you got to get through that first year of just to have an abysmal football and hopefully in year two, year three, you've turned it around. So I would, it would be pretty shocking to me for us to look out there next year and see TCU winning nine or 10 games off the first year. And I, and the reason why I say that every, every fan wants immediate success and you can look to our neighbors down South about three hours to Austin. Everyone thought, Hey man, Texas had a great team last year. They lost, three games and they were all one score games. And, you know, Herman probably got the short end of the stick. They shouldn't have let him go. Sarkeesian's going to be really good. And look what they're going through right now. They're four and four. So, but if you can't get through that first year, as Matt Rule showed us and Dave Aranda showed us, has shown us, if you can get past that first year, you can get good success if you have a good coach. And I think that's that's what TCU fans have, have got to prepare themselves for uh, at least having we this is a bad year in 2021 there's a you have an older team in 2022 but you have a new coach and so the philosophy's got to get adapted to and players got to play they got to execute still yes they do well let's wrap up with this what do you think we're going to see on the field on saturday against our arch nemesis the baylor Bears? well i'll take back some of my statement on baylor because i i said a couple weeks ago that their record was kind of a fool's gold to me because I didn't think they were that good. But I was impressed with them the last few weeks, the way they played BYU, the way they played uh, Texas. They've, they've looked better. They, they have a good run game. Bohannon's a better quarterback than I gave him credit for. Their defense is good. I don't know if you're really going <laughs> to – let's win one for Coach P. I don't think it's going to be that kind of moment. Um Heck, I mean, we, we've got to find out who's even going to start at quarterback right now. We, we don't know. So, I don't I don't anticipate the Frogs winning, but it would kind of be crazy if they did, <laughs> to be quite honest. Hey, it would be crazy if they did. It would be poetic if they did. So That's so the word have, I was looking for, yeah, poetic. Yeah, it would be poetic. But we have, we have Jerry Kill as the interim head coach. Is What do you think is going to be different with Coach Kill at the helm? Anything? He'll finally have a – he's always had a headset, but he'd never had a mic to talk into. If you ever watch those games, he he's not allowed to talk to people, but he can listen. Um, I mean, he's going to – I don't think you'll see, obviously, anything different from offense because he's an offensive guy. And with defense, I think you give the reins to, to Chad because Chad uh, – the time I spent with, with them over there a few years ago – you know, Chad knows that defense inside and out. He knows all the signals. He he can call a defense. He can call it just just like Coach P. So I think Glasgow is going to be your defensive coordinator. But as far as offense goes, Jerry's Jerry's had his hand in that all year long. He had his hand in it last year. He's he's going to be the guy that will still tell Doug this is this is he's not going to tell him exactly what play to run, but I think he's going to tell him this is what we need to do. It's, it's so tough for those guys, man, because 
if if it was a if it's if it was one of those jobs where you're going to be promoting someone at the end of the year and you know for a fact and they're a good team it's it's different but now those coaches are literally fighting for a job they're this is their resume whether it's for TCU or not this is their resume the next few games and um hopefully they 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 can get it done and cuz i mean those those guys you know you never wish any kind of bad news for anyone out and i don't see how fans could get wrapped up so much in a sport or in a favorite team where they openly wish for people to get fired um i can never do that i <laughs> i know where i've come from so i i would never i would never wish anything bad upon any of those coaches i hope they all go out, kick some butt, and get a resume good enough to where they can land on their feet somewhere. Heck, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for as well. That's absolutely what I'm hoping for. I'd love to see – I'd love to see him go 500 down the stretch here, you know. you know, It'll be win. interesting. Beat Kansas, steal a win from Baylor, you know. It, I, I, I'd be all for it. I'd be all for it. Well, hey, everybody. You were frustrated we didn't we weren't able to get a podcast up last week because we had a more than one thing going on. Well, we got it up tonight, sadly. So here we are. <laughs> oh man. I want I, you to go back and listen to what you just said. I heard it. I know. Okay. I just heard that and I was like I immediately yeah. think think of the office. That's what she said. Yeah, I know. I know. We were able to get the, the pot we were able to get the podcast posted this evening. I'm tired, man. I've been up since four thirty, so <laughs> <laughs> oh man i know no i get up early on sunday mornings and i usually get a nap in in the afternoon but i didn't get a nap in today so oh man well hey you get the podcast and then you get a that's what she said joke at the end so this is uh we're not going to be an expletive uh you know this show's not going to get an explicit rating we'll leave it at that but all right jeremy i'm going to give you 30 seconds give us your parting tribute to coach patterson <laughs> you can't put me on the spot like that brother all right, then I'll go first. And if you want to just say a sentence or two on the way out, Gary, thank you very much. Thank you for giving me a football program that I'm proud of, that we have been able to uh, follow with with true passion and, and be on the cusp of conversations that TCU hadn't been in since uh, the 50s and the 30s. And th- that is because of you. And I really I have a lot of gratitude for it. And yes, we've had some knuckleheads play for the program and we've had some weird things happen, but I've never been embarrassed to be a TCU fan. And I've always worn that hat with pride and put my diploma up with pride. And I'm really grateful for what you did, bud. Uh, It just, it meant the world to me to be a diehard TCU fan. And I'm going to continue to be because it's bigger than all of us. But uh, a majority of my adult life has been following TCU and following Coach Patterson. And it's been a hell of a ride. Thanks a lot, Coach. Couldn't say I couldn't say it any better. Well, well, thanks everybody. We appreciate you listening to this episode of the Frogcast. Uh, we will be back. We will uh, we will be here with front row seats to the Jerry Kill era. Things we never thought we would be saying a four, uh, three months ago. So until we get back together again for Daniel Southern for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell, and thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. In this Saturday, let's just win by one. <laughs>